0: Hi and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 283 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Today I've got a quick story to tell you about our first hit outside. Myself and the other pros here at Essential Tennis went out and did our our weekly hits, which is something we just started doing about a month or so ago. And something happened I'd like to tell you about. I think it's a good illustration and and a lesson to learn about being on the courts and navigating both matches and practicing and and pretty much the entire tennis experience. Really quickly, I just want to let you know that we've finished updating the feed for the podcast. And if you load the feed now, I'm not sure what you download the, the podcast in, But if you're on an iPhone, the best best way to get the podcast is just in the Podcasts app. You can subscribe there, and you can, if you refresh the feed at this point, you can go all the way back to May of 2008, uh, back to episode number eight of the podcast. By the way, if you happen to have episode one through seven, please send me an email. Uh a long time ago, I lost the files for those episodes. And so if you happen to have them, I'd, I'd appreciate it if you let me know. Uh, my email address is ian, I-A-N, at essentialtennis.com. But now you can go all the way back and download every episode that we've recorded since episode number eight. So I hope you take advantage of that. There's a tremendous amount of content and coaching available there. And I hope you take advantage of it. All right, so let's get to today's story. Just earlier this morning, we went out and hit, and those of you who don't have the luxury of playing outside year-round know that it's kind of a special thing to get outside for, for the first time, and it's a big transition. There's a tremendous amount of differences between indoor tennis and outdoor tennis. The speed of play is completely different, the environment is totally different, timing how you perceive the ball, just because there's no more ceiling, there's no more walls, the the bounces are different, the s- spins react differently off the court, everything is different. And so there's that kind of transition period where you kind of have to be patient and give yourself some some room to make mistakes because it's just naturally going to happen. And within the midst of that, there was kind of an additional challenge uh, today my, my kids by the way happen to be there that wasn't the additional challenge I'll get to that in a second but my, my wife is out of town today and so kids are hanging out with me they're on the the couch uh, behind me right now as I record this so I brought I brought their rackets and it's Monday in the middle of the the morning late morning so there's nobody nobody else at the courts and so they went and hit some balls around uh, Kirby hit with them a little bit. And so then we kind of got down to business, and we've been trying to do kind of a little training session for the four of us, Kevin, Megan, Kirby, and myself, to really start to get into a little bit of somewhat of a groove again, some, become somewhat familiar and confident again on the court, as all and none of us have been on the courts enough to, to really feel comfortable hitting the ball, at least not at the speed that any of us would be used to hitting the ball. And so happy that we got out today and first time outside. And so we we began with a, a warm-up, a little bit of two-on-one while Kirby was with the kids for a little bit. And then we started doing some cross-court rallies. And Kevin and I were, were just starting. We were probably two or three minutes into cross-court rallies on the deuce side. And Kevin broke a string. Now, None of us are, are maintaining our gear the way that we should be if we were actually playing full-time, not even close. I don't think any of us has more than one racket strung. And so we're all there with with one racket. Kevin breaks his string. And so initially, I'm definitely pretty bummed out. We were just starting to get into a little bit of, of a rhythm, just starting to get some some good reps going. And so I pretty much thought that this was going to be it for Kevin. And we'd still be able to do some some hitting. uh, Kirby and Megan were working cross courts on their courts. And so we probably would have done some two-on-ones. But uh, obviously it was a little disappointing that Kevin was potentially going to be out. And that would have just changed our our routine a little bit. So I think kind of half-jokingly at first, Kevin walks over, puts his racket down uh, by the bench, and he grabs Lucy's racket, which I, I just bought for her a couple weeks ago. And it was to replace the original racket that I had for her, which is a really kind of small junior one. She's eight years old. And so the the racket she's hitting with now is now an adult size, but you know, she's she's eight. So it's a it's an adult size racket, but super light. I just basically found the lightest full-size racket I could on Amazon. It's a Wilson Triumph which is just like a cheap aluminum racket it was $23.95 and so I think kind of half joking at first Kevin's like oh Lucy can I, just, can I borrow your racket and came back out to, to my court where I'm just kind of picking up balls and watching Megan and Kirby hit and then I was like all right you know we'll fool around a little bit I, I fed a ball to Kevin and it became Pretty obvious within a couple of shots that uh, he was actually going to give it a full go. And he started hitting some some pretty solid balls. And it was kind of funny at first. And then we actually got into a rhythm. So we completed our cross court rallies. And not only was it not like a waste of time, but for I, I think as a whole, as the day continued to progress, I think it actually, in a way, at least for me, really kind of raised uh, the level of focus, raised uh, the level of execution. And I'm gonna tell you a little bit about how that happened. The thing is, Kevin rallying with Lucy's racket was in a way an equalizer. And I think in the long run, at least relative to kind of what we had to work with in the moment, It actually kind of benefited both of us. And on Kevin's side of the equation, he had no choice but to drop his racket head speed significantly just because the the racket he was using was relatively light, not very forgiving. And it it was just something where he had to be a little bit more careful than he normally would be. Strings were garbage. I mean, the whole thing was, I mean, it's a $23 racket. So there's just not much weight to it. The balance is not what he's used to. The strings were the cheapest possible string and probably extremely loose. So in in trying to hit with that kind of equipment, the thing is, his level of focus and intention really had to raise dramatically. And he, he did that which means that his consistency was actually extremely good. And I uh, definitely not an easy racket to, to hit with, but he kind of found a rhythm with it relatively quickly. Now for me, on the other side of the net, Kevin's just a much stronger player than I am in general. And so because he dropped down the pace of his shot, he ended up hitting a lot more slices than he normally would. Pretty much set up A perfect ball for me to get into a bit of a groove and not have to worry about dealing with the heavy topspin that he normally hits. So the combination of those two things actually led to extremely high quality rallies. And uh, especially considering the fact that we're outside hitting for the very first time, all all things considered, especially with the the racket that he was hitting with, I feel like the the quality of our hitting was pretty much as good as possible, at least on paper from what I would have expected given those conditions ahead of time. So as a result, as we continued going through our practice, we came back together with with Kirby and Megan. We did some two-on-one stuff. We did some serve and return stuff. Overall, the level of his shot, shots obviously dropped, but the upside was he barely missed because he was just focusing on being consistent, just executing solidly aiming for relatively big targets and so as a result i feel like all four of us really benefited of course he would have preferred to have a racket he was comfortable with and he could have hit much higher quality shots and probably uh, from his perspective would have been an overall better day had he had his racket but given what we had to work with uh i I'd wager to say that he would actually say that it benefited him by having to adapt to the the type of gear that he was forced to use for the next 45 minutes or so. And for me personally, I can't speak for Kirby or Megan, but seeing him uh, deal with that uh, restriction... When it caused my focus and my effort to increase as well, just purely out of you know respect for what he was dealing with on the other side of the net, and so overall the the quality was super super good. So I've got two quick lessons here that I think are important to take away and pretty much universally applicable for for tennis players of all levels. Lesson number one, I think the most important one, was that his response to that restriction or to that challenge his response to that less than ideal situation at the end of the day was his choice and it's something that you can practice doing every time that you step onto a tennis court there will never be a day that you step onto a court and everything goes the way that you want it to go <laughs> not not ever There's going to be something off with your strokes or your equipment or the environment or your practice partner or your doubles partner or your singles opponent or whatever. There's going to be something that doesn't go the way that you'd like it to go. And on this particular day, I would say it was a pretty large, you know, out of the ordinary challenge point for Kevin, but notwithstanding, he still had, it was his decision. It was his choice how to respond to that challenge. And each of us have that choice every time there's a little bump in the road, whether it's in practice or matches or any other part of our life. And so he had to choose between one of two things, either number one, use that bump in the road as fuel for excuses or complaining or just, just quitting, just sitting on the side and just watching us hit. That, that would have been a very reasonable thing for him to do without another adult racket to hit with. Without another racket on the court available that cost more than 23,95, none of us would have blamed him for just sitting and watching us hit. But by coming in, it benefited him and it benefited us. And so he opted out of the choice to use that as an excuse for low performance or to complain or to just give excuses, and, and maybe like be there and be uh, active on the courts but have it be to his detriment and to our detriment, or just just opt out altogether, which again, I don't think anybody would have blamed him for. Choice number two, which is what he chose, was to use it as fuel for focus and intention and ultimately growth. This is something that looking back, he'll be able to say that, you know what, I hit a pretty good ball with a $23 racket. And I pro- I promise you that's something that internally for him builds confidence and builds character as a tennis player and it builds character as a person to have that large of an obstacle put in his way and to just choose to meet it head on without any kind uh, with, without pulling any punches and without um, limiting himself with any kind of excuses, just do the best he can and actually still come away with a great result. Is something that we have the opportunity to do every time that we play tennis, and that's a huge, um, that, that's such a huge opportunity for us to develop as as people and develop as as tennis players. And at the end of the day, playing tennis is really just about managing problems and challenges. Again, as I mentioned a second ago, you're not going to go out there for a practice session or for a match and just have things all go the way that you hoped it would go. It's just, there's too many variables. There's too many, there's a million different potential ways that something could go askew or could be different than what you would hope it would be, whether that be wind or sun or court surface or opponent style or technical uh, change from what you're used to or physical tightness or whatever it is. There's always going to be something. And recently, I was, I was listening to an episode of Tim Ferriss' podcast, which I highly, highly recommend. Uh, Ferriss, by the way, is F-E-R-R-I-S-S. He's got one of the top podcasts in the world right now. And all he does is interview people who are exceptional at what they do and try to figure out what makes them that effective, whether that be habits or routines or rituals or attitudes or whatever it is. And recently he was interviewing a director and the director described the process of directing a movie, a film director. He described the process of being a film director as simply solving one problem after another. When you get a 100 people together and all the equipment and the technology and the gear that it takes to shoot a movie, things will go wrong. People, whether, whether that means managing different personalities and the, the actors, or it means uh, managing the, the crew and the different technical elements, or it means a camera doesn't work and they have to because of time restraints or budget restraints or whatever they've just got to make something up on the spot and and make it the best that they can with what they're given and some people really shy away from that challenge and other people really thrive in it and you see this on the ten- on the tennis court there's, un- there's a just unlimited number of variables that could go in your favor or against you And on any given day, you're going to have a half a dozen to a dozen that are going against you, and you need to make the choice whether or not you're going to meet them head on and view it as an opportunity for improvement and growth, or view it as a thorn in your side and use it as fuel for complaining and excuses, and kind of giving yourself the opportunity to perform poorly, both physically and mentally. And... Every restriction is an opportunity. Uh, most most players complain that things are aren't ideal, but just please know that you have the choice to do otherwise. So that's lesson number one. Lesson number two is a little bit more down the earth or less, you know, personal improvement focused, and it has to do with gear. And for me, uh, watching Kevin with this, honestly, just a garbage racket, just for me, really illustrated a point that. I, I've believed strongly in for a very long time, since well before I, I quit teaching full time and I started doing the website uh full time uh, ten years, you know, plus ago. And that is gear is much, much less important than many people think. Now, it is an it is a factor that we can optimize. There there is improvement to be gained from having just the right setup between your racket and your strings and finding just the right frame for your playing style and your playing level. There's no question there there are opportunities to be grasped by optimizing your gear. Now, that being said, it can help maximize potential, but it can't make up for your deficiencies as a tennis player. And I think it's a really important distinguishing factor. And this has been confused greatly by the fact that manufacturers want you to believe that a frame or a string will give you more power or it will give you more control as if the control or the power is in the racket or in the string. And it's not. It's in the, the person who moves the racket who moves the string that's ultimately where control or precision or spin or power is going to come from having just the right racket or just the right string can help optimize you know what what is available to that player but at the end of the day it comes down to swing technique it comes down to movement of the body Uh, a, a racket cannot create a shot that your movement didn't earn and your string cannot create a shot that your movement didn't earn. And by movement, I mean how your body as a whole is moving and flowing, your, your technical habits. So, I mean, Kevin wasn't able to hit his best shots with a $24 racket. And he, he'll never he'll never be able to. It's, it's just not a good enough piece of equipment to maximize the skills that Kevin has developed over years and years of, of hard work. But... He could still beat most 4.5 players with that twenty-four dollar racket, and I, I think that's really important to understand. And I've talked about this before. Uh, I I challenged my trainer years ago, a person who was helping me get in a little in, in better shape, uh, probably ten years ago now. Uh, he was kind of trying to figure out some kind of handicap where where he and I could have an even match, and he, he was. You know, not a tennis player. He'd, he'd played tennis, but hadn't really pursued it f- seriously. But but he was a good athlete, and so he could figure out how to get the ball on the court. And um, we, we ended up playing a match where I used a frying pan. And this story I've told in other places, different times. But long story short, I, I, I beat him. And there's other stories out there. Andy Roddick once challenged a a journalist who I think was making fun of him for his performance on the court to a match with a frying pan and he beat the journalist who was like not a bad player either. Like the journalist was actually a tennis player. So does does the gear matter? Of course it matters, but it's not going to make up for your deficiencies as a tennis player. It can only accentuate the strengths that you have i I guess is the best way that i can possibly describe it and so kevin wasn't able to play to his potential today but he was still able to give all the rest of us really good high quality practice with a with a 24 dollar racket um could he have beaten you know the the player at maximum potential no definitely not but he was still able to make the best out of the situation still able to create really high quality practice still beneficial for him even though the conditions and in today's situation the racket specifically was much less than ideal so bottom line here don't look to gear or technology to fix fundamental problems in your game They can only accentuate the great habits that you've trained into your game. That's lesson number two. And lesson number one was his response to that challenge was a choice. And all of us can learn from that. It's a choice we always we're always presented with every time we step onto the courts to use challenges either to fuel our focus and fuel our growth as a player and as a person, or use them for excuses. And is a, a reason why we can lower our performance, lower our attitude, complain more, and get less out of our time on the court. So, hope uh, this is actionable for you. Hope it gives you something to think about. As always, thank you for listening. Next week, I'll be back with another story, uh, but this one from our, a recent student of ours that I know is going to be really helpful for you as well. In the meantime, if you have a topic that you'd like me to cover or you have a question you'd like me to answer on a future episode of the podcast, please feel free to shoot me an email to ian, I-A-N, at essentialtennis.com. And if this has been helpful to you, do me a favor, share it with a friend or a teammate or a coach. Let them know about the podcast. And that would help me tremendously. Thank you so much. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube where we are the number one resource in the world providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care and good luck with your tennis.